2: all need an intimate, personal, ongoing relationship with people. People need other people in their lives. We need people who know us, who love us, who can speak into our lives. I will never reach the potential God has for me by trying to do life alone. So Paul says, get a good role model or two. Start hanging with people that know more than
0: you. I
2: know, but Pastor Mark, that really is just nice suggestion. No, it is not.
0: In America, whether we say it this way or not, we tend to emphasize individualism over the group. Many in the church do this as well. Me and Jesus is the statement you might hear. The problem with that declaration, as Pastor Mark is teaching, is that the Bible explicitly says that we are part of an organism, the body of Christ— Being a Lone Ranger Christian has been the downfall of many who no longer follow Christ. By isolating themselves, they become easy targets for Satan. Without support, encouragement, and constructive criticism, it's all too easy to be derailed in our walk with Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, with part 2 of his message, Role Models.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons
0: for I can't say to you today,
2: just follow me. I'm the only role model there is here in any of the campuses. The rest of the pastors don't have too much. You just follow me. That's ridiculous. Number one, i become like this idol or whatever to you. And when I become an idol, I'll be prideful. And that's what happened. I'll fall. I won't be a good role model for you. So we need different role models because people are in different areas of their life. Now, what's the danger if I don't follow this command? What if I'm not going to get around others that are going to help me grow, iron sharpening iron? And what if I don't become a good role model myself? What are the two dangers? Two dangers. Look at verse 18. You're right there. Paul says this. For as I have often told you before, and now, Say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So what's the one danger? Number one, we'll talk about it more. Instead of picking a good role model, you pick a bad role model and you follow them. Notice verse 18. Paul says, there's people in the church. This isn't outside the church. This is in the church. There's people in the church that, well, really they're put there by Satan and they hate the cross of Christ. Don't hang with them because if you hang with them, you're going to end up, if you don't change in hell, because they don't believe in the cross of Christ. You say, well, Pastor Mark, can, can we identify who these people are that, that are against? They're not really for us. They're put here. They're kind of spies. They're against us. Can we identify them? Yes. Just look down your row. Come on, look down your row. And when you think you found somebody that's an enemy of Christ, would you just raise your hand we'll have the usher come? (laughs) Anybody see anybody yet? Anybody still? Come on, still looking. Now, how do I know they're here? Because that's never changed. Jesus gave a great parable about the, the wheat and the tares. He says, among you, there's always people that look like they're believers. They're really not. They're really against Christ. And they will surface. But see, why does Paul warn about those people? Here's what he says. We follow people. The sheep are followers. We are influenced by people. And if I don't pick a good godly role model, I'll pick a bad one. I want to give you homework for two weeks from, uh, two weeks from today. Psalm 1. Just study Psalm 1. And you'll see the amazing contrast between modeling my life after somebody that's good and following somebody That's not good. By the way, young people, it's a huge problem because young people are really influenced. Paul says this bad company corrupts good morals. So the danger number one, we'll talk more in two weeks. Danger number one, if I don't pick somebody good, I'm going to pick somebody. I'm going to be influenced by somebody. And if I'm not careful, I'll be influenced by somebody that's bad but here's danger number two if I don't obey the command that we just read. This is the big one. This is the huge one. Danger number two. You choose to do life alone, you don't pick any good role models. This is the biggest problem in the church today. We have decided to try to do life basically, alone. I don't need these kind of influences in my life. I can do it by myself. But that's not what God said. I want you to turn to the book of Romans, and I want you to see how this works out. The book of Romans, chapter 12. When you get there, Paul wrote, in Romans 14, this scripture. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. So when you and I were created, we were created to be in relationship with people. We don't do this thing called life alone. Now, when you get to Romans chapter 12, look at verse 4. I'll read this in the New Living Translation. Paul says this, Just as our human bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ, the church. We are all parts of his one body all around the world, the believers that have in unity the head of Christ. He's our head. Each one of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, notice what it says. We belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. We were never created to hang alone. Now, I want you to write a couple things. Every person, when created, was created by God with a twofold need. The first need that every person has is this to be in relationship with God, to be in fellowship with God. When you and I were created, we were created to have a personal relationship with God. God designed you. To know him, to obey him, to enjoy him, to serve him, to give your heart to him, to ask for your sins to be forgiven, because our sin separates us from God. See, if a person doesn't have a personal relationship with God, the result is their life will have no meaning. It'll just be chasing the wind. There'll be no purpose. Pascal, the noted French scientist, said this. He knew that in every heart, there existed a God-shaped vacuum. In other words, when you were created, God put a vacuum, a place in your heart. Well, it's not your physical heart. He put a place in here. And only God fits there. We try to put money and relationships and pride and possessions and all. It doesn't work. Only God that plugs in there fits and makes me a complete person. Well, what keeps me from putting God there? My sin. I was born a sinner. So I have to ask Christ to forgive me. And when he does, he forgives me. And that spot is now open. And he comes to actually live within us. That brings me forgiveness, purpose. It gives me fulfillment. It gives me joy. And it gives me somebody to relate to. I have God with me. Centuries before him, Augustine, the bishop of Hippo, said this. God created man for himself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. Recently, one of our services, a person came up to me, and they were crying. And here's what they said. I've decided to quit trying to do life without God. I want God in my life. That is the smartest move you'll ever make. Because you will never do life without God. You'll always be empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of death. Now, we'll give you a chance to do that because we're going to take communion this morning at the end. We'll give you a chance to do that. So, my first relationship was to have a relationship with the God who created me. But there's more. Here's the second one I have a twofold need one, relationship, fellowship with God. Two, Fellowship with other human beings. You see, friendship, companionship, hanging with. People were made to do life together. If they don't have other people to do life with them, then the result is simply loneliness. Now, that's going to confuse some of you, because here's why. Well, Pastor Mark, I thought you said when God comes in, that kind of solves my loneliness problem. It does with God. But it doesn't with humans. You remember God created Adam. And they were in relationship. There was no sin. They were in relationship. Now there was no sin. And so that just means that they hung together and having a great time. And and then you remember the true story in Genesis. Adam looked out and every animal that he was naming, there was a mister and a missus. He looked around, he went, "Oh God, you forgot something. God said, well, I didn't forget, it. I'm waiting for you to notice. He says, I'm lonely. Well, you got all the animals, that don't do it. So we had one day surgery, remember, Whoop! there came the rib out and there came Eve out. And when he looked, he went, hallelujah, because that that was going to do it. And that was the best day of his life and actually the worst day of his life forever. If any of you are married, say amen. Say amen. It's the best day of my life, and it's the worst day of my life. Because it's tough, isn't it? It's really tough. I just did a premarital between services. I said, this is going to be the greatest thing you've ever done, the most difficult thing you've ever done. And they canceled it and just walked out of the room. No, they didn't. They didn't. They're going to get married. So why did God create Eve? Well, the Bible tells us why. To end man's loneliness. So that means I'm not complete in life with just God. Spiritually, yes. But in the earthly things, no. I need other people in my life. And that is a premise that you cannot deviate from. You can't decide it won't work that way. Now... I've used this little ball for lots of things over the last few weeks. I'm going to use it again. You remember, we put this ball as this is God, and he needs to be there in the center of our life. If my life's going to work right, it's God. I mean, my life has to revolve around God, not me. God back here, and I call him in when I want him, and then he just goes back in the corner somewhere. We know what that is. But I I want to change that this morning uh, for right now. I want you to think of this as a bowling ball. Now we said, well, Pastor Mark, why didn't you bring a bowling ball? I'm not dumb. I'd probably drop it, break my foot, do something. I don't even have one. So it's a bowling. Alley. How many, how many like bowling? Anybody like bowling around here? Good. Now I want to give you an illustration. I don't want you to make a sound. I want to picture something. You're in a bowling alley, and there are 40 lanes, and there's nobody there but you and you're bowling. One hour. Two hours. Three hours. What kind of. Well how would that be for you? Man that's third strike in a row. (laughs) I'm almost to a 300 game. I'm seeming to put in the gutter. Is anyone. There's an amazing book that's out. True book. I'll read it to you in a moment. I want you to see the title of it. It sounds stupid, but it's a true book. It's a fabulous book. Bowling alone. We weren't made to bowl alone. The excitement of bowling is to have a group of people there. To have your team there. To people to root you on. Tell you what you're doing wrong. Everybody going, 300 games, 300 game. There we go. Who would ever bowl alone? Let me read you from the book. Once we bowl in leagues, usually after work, but no longer, this seemingly small phenomena symbolizes a significant social change here in America. Drawing on vast new data that reveal Americans' changing behavior, Arthur Putnam shows how we have become increasingly disconnected from one another and how our social structures, whether they be the PTA, political parties, or even the church, have begun to disintegrate. This isn't a book about the church, but it is about the church. You see, even in the church, we've, Decided to do life alone. We don't need other people around us. We're just gonna be disconnected and just do our own thing. We're gonna, in fact, if I want to say it spiritually, we're gonna bowl alone. Well, that's ridiculous. Nobody here would ever bowl alone. But in the church, we have to understand, we just read, we belong to one another. We're supposed to hang with one another. In fact, God gave us here in the New Testament, 50 commandments plus that say this. One another commands. I want you to write this statement down. A successful and full life cannot be achieved Alone. It's impossible. We all need an intimate, personal, ongoing relationship with people. People need other people in their lives. We need people who know us, who love us, who can speak into our lives. I will never reach the potential God has for me by trying to do life alone. So Paul says, get a good role model or two. Start hanging with people that know more than you. I know, but Pastor Mark, that really is just nice suggestion. No, it is not. Next statement I want you to write. Imitating a good role model simply requires spending time with them. I can't really be in the painting class and there's 12 painting classes. And I go to the first one. And I never go back to the next 11. Well, I've seen the instructor. I'll just do this myself. I don't want to see your painting. It's going to be ridiculous. But we, to the church, we go, that's okay. I can do this Christian thing alone. I got God. Yeah, but God gave us people to help us. Think how many people you know that make this ridiculous, unbiblical statement. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't need to go to church. A Christian doesn't need to go to church. They're ridiculously foolish. They know nothing about the Bible. Why are they doing that? Because they're promoting themselves being alone. Now, here at Calvary Chapel, we try to go back to a role model... Of a church that is done right. Where we go is the book of Acts. Because that's the early church that was done right. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Would you? Acts chapter 2. And let's go down to verse 44. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And when you get there, you're going to see a word. It's called together. Together. And you're going to see that as kind of common all the way through it. Together, together, get on to verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and good they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. The temple courts would have been like a corporate setting. They didn't have buildings in those days, but they would meet together as a big setting. And they broke bread in their homes more intimate, small settings, and ate together with glad and sincere heart. And while they're doing this, verse 47, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They liked hanging together. They loved it. And because that love was there, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, God always designed for us to be together. That's what we're doing here. The book of Ephesians says we're to gather together so people with the pastor-teacher gift which I have in the other passages, can teach you the word of God, can teach you the commandment I'm giving you today. That's what Paul was doing. That's what I'm doing. In that process, they were also together in small groups. The church started in the New Testament with 3,000 people, no building. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, they had to break up into small groups so they could get to know one another. This large church broke up into small groups so people in these small groups could find a good role model to follow. They could get together. They could worship together, serve together, have fun together, celebrate together, pray together, develop fellowship, relationship, companionship. That's where they began to mature. They had to do it together. So what do we do? Well, at best, more than half of you, in other churches, probably 70 to 80 percent, you'll come to the, 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 in the temple setting, you'll come to the big setting like today. And by the way, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Terrific. But see, this isn't good enough. Real growth happens two places. I mean, you do grow from this, but real growth happens from my quiet time with God. And it happens in a small group setting. That's where real growth happens. Because there's people in there that know you. And you can begin to open up. Now, let me ask you to do something to show you something. I want you to take your finger. And I want you to touch the back. Or if you don't have anybody in front of you. uh, the, The shoulder of somebody next to you. And if you don't have somebody, get up and do that right now. Just everybody just all over. Get up, move, move so you can touch somebody. Their shoulder, their back, whatever. This is good, isn't it? Okay. Now I want to ask you a question. Now that you've done that, what new thing do you know about that person? <laughs> well, Pastor Mike, I think they must exercise. It was a little tough. It was <laughs> tight. I, I wonder what's really under there. Is it is there really hair there? Or is that the one I touched, they haven't ironed that shirt in weeks. I could I could tell that baby right there. No, what, what did you really know about the person? Nothing. What could you expect to know? See, we gather 20, 30, 40, 50 times a year. And look at the back of somebody's neck. You've just done that. What can you tell about me? You look at me 50 weeks out of the year. You can't really know me. Who knows me? Well, number one, God knows me. Number two, my wife knows me. Number three, the elders know me because I meet with them every other week. Number four, the pastors know me. I meet with them every single week. All the pastors from our campus. Who knows you? Who can help you? If you're a parent today and your daughter comes home and she says, I'm pregnant. Where are you going to go for help? You're an 18 year old and you're trying to figure out what to do with college. You feel you might have a call of God in your heart. Who are you going to go to?
0: In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded us that God intended Christ followers to be part of his organism, his body. If we're trying to do life alone, we can't also be part of his body. We were taught that we were made to have fellowship with God and with other people. If we aren't doing both of those, there's no way that we can have a successful and fulfilled life. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, we will conclude the first part of Pastor Mark's teaching, Role Models. We'll be diving into the example of the early church, how they functioned closely together. This cohesiveness made it possible for God to work powerfully through both the individuals and the collective body. We'll also learn more about the characteristics of a good role model. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: in a hurry.